All right. What's up, Susan? How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, all right. So this is the fifth recording of the Santa Mind podcast experience. And today I have Dr. Susan C, a.k.a. Dr. Susan Kuchara. Uh, she's a naturopathic doctor and we've been friends for, wow, uh, almost 15 years or 15 years. Yeah. Um, really yeah, we're getting, we're getting pretty old. Yeah, yeah, we are very old, actually. Yeah, so uh, I think Susan has a, an interesting story of, you know, where she comes from and how she got into naturopathic medicine. So I'll let her introduce herself and talk a little bit more about, you know, what was her inspiration to become a naturopathic doctor? Sure, that's a great way to start because... A lot of people ask me what kind of fueled my passion into doing this. And a lot of people usually ask me as well if it's been my, you know, life journey to be a doctor. And I can relate to a lot of people in that that kind of wasn't where I was at in my mind. Um, I basically, how I met you, right, I was in St. John's University and I was there for a business degree. And I was in marketing and advertising and I was really into it and I really loved it. And it was something that I really thought was my dream job. And I, I did every type of uh, project or any type of thing that the school would offer in order for me to learn more about it. <clears throat> and after school, it kind of didn't turned out, turn out exactly the way I expected it to. I did land some really wonderful jobs at very prestigious advertising agencies and I thought this was exactly what I wanted to do with my life and it just didn't feel the same as when I was in school. I didn't have that fire that was inside of me and I couldn't understand why because this is something that has just been, you know, my dream for so long and I always saw myself as this advertising executive. But something changed in me, and uh, throughout those years, I wasn't feeling very well, and <clears throat> I didn't know kind of what was going on with my health, and I did see a bunch of different doctors, and, you know, I would get the, your crazy diagnosis, or here, take a SSRI, or, um, you know, send you to another doctor, and eventually, I came into contact with a naturopathic doctor in Connecticut. <clears throat> And his name is Dr. Sensenik, and he was the only doctor to have diagnosed me with parasites. And I had no idea I had this all this time, and this was this was causing many of my health concerns. And I've been told by hundreds of other doctors that it was in my head. So at that moment, I knew I had to be a doctor just like him, who was giving hope back to other people. So <clears throat> this is exactly why. I decided to go into naturopathic medicine, so I took a really big leap of faith, and I left my advertising job in New York City. I decided to get into holistic nutrition, and there was this uh, in-program, in, I'm sorry, in New York City program called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, and it certifies you as a holistic health counselor, and you can give nutrition advice, and I did do this program. It was extremely enlightening. I did have my own mini health coaching practice where I helped mm -hmm. people every day with um, nutrition, weight loss, detox, and it was starting to bring back that fire in me that was 
dimmed throughout the years in the advertising agencies. And then following that, I just started getting more of this urge to learn more. And I said, how can I do this? And there was an opportunity for me to move to Arizona and go to a naturopathic medical school there. And there are a few throughout the country that are an accredited medical school, and that is one of them. And I've never been to Arizona, and all I knew is that it was sunny and hot. And <laughs> I decided to go there, and I literally moved from New York City across the country to Arizona. And I always say I moved for you know this career that many people didn't know exactly what it was. And I didn't know if I would even be able to be successful in this because it wasn't something mainstream. But yeah. I was so into it that I made that huge leap of faith, and that's when I went to school and I graduated in 2015. And that's, I just want to point out that that's a, like, an even more <laughs> huge leap of faith for you because, like, you know, you're like me. You know, we're, we're hardcore New Yorkers. We're never mm -hmm. going to leave. We love Manhattan. We're never moving <laughs> exactly. anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, we, we rarely go outside of New York City to go to college. You know, we stay, we stay where we're at. So yeah, that's, right. that's a thought, huge move. Right. I thought that moving, I lived in Long Island growing up. I thought that going to St. John's University an hour away was going away <laughs> to school, <laughs> you know, and that was in Queens. Yeah. Uh, so you're hundred percent right. It's not something that we usually do. We're like diehard New Yorkers at heart. Uh, yep. So you talked about the inspiration of uh, becoming a naturopathic doctor. Now, a lot of people that are probably listening to this are like, what is a naturopathic doctor? You know, what, what exactly is that? So can you explain to us uh, what, natural, what naturopathy is? Sure. So it's based on six principles. So just to maybe we should talk about this first in terms of like, what's the difference? So, you know, you mm -hmm. have your medical doctor, which is your MD, right? That's yep. what's normally sought out. Then you have your DO, which is a doctor of osteopathy. They're supposed to be more naturopathic, but nowadays in modern society, they are um, more so like just like a medical doctor. And then there's an ND, which is a naturopathic doctor. So naturopathic doctors, we, we are basically going on six principles, which are the foundation for naturopathic medicine. So I'm going to name those six principles. And then if you want, we can kind of go through them more. But this is what we're basically, um, what fuels us. And so the first one is the healing power of nature. Um, second is identify and treat the cause. The third is first do no harm. The fourth is doctor as teacher. The fifth is treat the whole person. And then the sixth is prevention. So with those six principles, this is what guides us to knowing, okay, patient comes in our door. How can we use nature to find the cause? How can we do first no harm? How do we treat the person holistically, mind, body, spirit? How do we prevent diseases from occurring? And how do we teach the patient to know what to do and know what to eat and know how to live in order to maintain a healthy lifestyle. Wow. So real quick, when, when I go to the doctor, you know, I wait for whatever, 20 minutes and then I go see him or her and I'm out within five minutes. They tell me what I have. They give me a prescription and I'm gone. Mm -hmm. um, you just gave a lot of information there about six principles well, how, how can you do that within like five, 10 minutes? We can't. And that's the reason we don't. So we 
spend, so my new patient visits and most of all my colleagues, no one has a new patient visit that is under 60 minutes in length. So some, some of my colleagues and including myself sometimes go up to 90 minutes because if someone comes in with a very complex group of symptoms and a very uh, significant health history that we need to go through, we have to basically fine tune and, and go through with a, you know, with this understanding of, okay, how can we figure out, like I always said, what went wrong? What went awry for the person to have got to where they are? So just here's a perfect example. I had a new patient yesterday. So we started, I always go in chronological order of the patient's life. So I'm starting from the beginning. I'm asking them from the time they were born, how was their mother's pregnancy? Was there any complications? Were they breastfed? Were they formula fed? Were they a vaginal birth? Were they a C-section birth? Then I asked them about all the infections and any type of illnesses they got, you know, between, you know, when they were born up until 10. And then we go from 10 to 20. And then I'm able to get up to current. And then I have an idea of, okay, this organ system might not have developed when they were this age because this happened to them. This um, may have happened at this time. And then I'm able to then treat properly because I know a thorough history and I know what organ systems went out of balance. So five minutes would never be enough in order for me to get all the information to help someone, especially a new patient. Wow. So now, you know, my next question is, you know, that, that sounds amazing. That sounds great. I love that. Mm -hmm. Why don't, why don't medical doctors do this? Why is it a five minute thing? Here's your med, get out. So there's a few different, so now there's all different types of medical doctors and how they practice. The, the typical Western medical doctor who is insurance based is not going to have as much time because in order for them a lot of times to actually make an actual salary, they have to take in a lot of people because they can ask for X, Y, and Z amount of money, but the insurance companies may pay them a decimal of that. So they have to get more people in the door in order for them to make a salary, unfortunately. A lot of times now, the medical doctors, at least the holistic-oriented ones, which are they call themselves functional medicine doctors, these functional medicine doctors, which are MDs who basically go and have some training in a holistic um, education, which is not like naturopathy because we have four years of that, but you're, they're at least learning some holistic and natural healing methods. They are now starting to not take insurance and they're medical doctors because they know that they can't get this information in that amount of time. So it depends on what type you're going to go to and it depends on if a person has the means. I do know certain naturopaths and certain functional medicine doctors there, there are ways that you can use, I know myself, I can use like flex spending accounts, health savings accounts, but I'm yeah. not able to use insurance. Some others in certain naturopathic um, licensed states are able to use insurance. So for example, in the state of Connecticut, they're able to take insurance there for naturopaths and most people go to naturopaths in the state of Connecticut. So it really depends just on the finances of the person and what they can go to, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. It just, as far as, uh, you know, medical doctors and insurance, it just seems kind of, 
you know, you have to see so many patients because you want, right. you have to make a certain salary. So are people, you know, I start thinking like, well, are people really being healed or right. what's really going on? Are we just putting band-aids on? Right. But that, that, uh, you know, so that takes me to another question that I was thinking about while you were talking. So medical school and naturopathic school, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's the difference? Because I, I, you know, I know you, you've told me the difference. Um, but to my knowledge, you, the, the only difference is like, you don't have a, like a residency at a hospital or, or you don't prescribe, you know, uh, drugs. But could you I explain? don't in my state. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically when you go to a four year accredited naturopathic medical school, the first two years are the same basic sciences as the medical doctor. So you're learning everything they're learning. So you're learning pharmacology, which is the use of prescription drug. You're learning immunology. You're learning microbiology. You're learning all of the health sciences, okay? Lab diagnosis, um, physical exam. You're learning literally everything the same. And then the difference is, is that the last two years, we are also in the clinic, just like they are seeing patients. So I was a student doctor in the last two years. I, we, we were in the medical clinic. We saw patients. Um, however, we also learn all of the other natural healing modalities. So you're learning um, the use of herbs, which is botanical medicine. You're, use, you're learning Chinese medicine principles. So we learned acupuncture. We also learned nutrition, which is the foundation to everything, right? Um, hydrotherapy, which we could talk about later if you'd like. It's the use of water to heal. Um, and I can keep going. I mean, homeopathy. So we learn all these other healing modalities in order to know. So if a patient were to come in with high cholesterol, a general medical doctor would say, okay, here's a statin drug for your lower cholesterol. We would say, okay, let's change the diet. Okay, let's try to take some herbal supplements or let's just say some vitamins or minerals that are needed to lower cholesterol. So we're working at it in a different way. Um, in order to be least invasive, less as, as less toxic as possible, and in the best interest of the patient, because it comes back to first do no harm. And then after school, the only thing that differs is that we're not required a residency. However, about five of my colleagues that I am close friends with, they did do a residency. So there are naturopathic mm. residencies in certain clinics, and I've had friends doing them because they wanted extra experience. We're not required, mm-hmm. um, just like an MD is. And then depending on the state, if the state is licensed, some people do have the use of prescription medications. So my colleagues um, in Arizona and Vermont, they can use their prescription pad. It just depends on the state that's licensed. Okay. So what are, <laughs> what are, what are the biggest challenges for you as an MD? Um, to try and, you know, get people to understand, hey, you know, this isn't just some woo-woo thing where I'm saying, like, I'm saying nature's going to heal you, but mm-hmm. that I'm a real doctor looking for the mm-hmm. root cause to heal the issue and not just give you a Band-Aid, you know, some drug that you prescribe within five minutes. So what, what, what are some of the challenges you have being an ND? Um, people having a lack of understanding 
thinking that I'm not a doctor. Um, and there are there is some confusion because there are some naturopath programs that are done online and they certify you as a naturopath and they teach you some homeopathy and herbal medicine. And listen, those may be really helpful for someone, but they're not doctors. So there's a little bit of confusion because they have some of these online programs. Um, so that's my biggest challenge. Um, but what I do, and this is a great question you asked, because I do offer 10 minute um, complimentary conversations or you can call them consults to patients who want to get to know me or ask me questions. It's in that 10 minutes that just speaking to me and answering some of their questions to make them feel comfortable um, is really helpful for them. And then they feel good in going forward with making an appointment with me because then they know, okay, now all these unanswered questions, I can at least have answered um, by the doctor herself. And so I do this so that the people who are confused but do feel they need my services, I can help them more. Um, but the, the main thing is that most of the things we're doing, if not all, are backed by science. There's hundreds and hundreds of studies, and we can even talk later um, when you want to talk about mental health and stuff, that there are literal research studies that show the use of certain vitamins or, let's say, probiotics in the use of, let's just say, mental health disorders and such. So most of this is backed up with real science. Okay, that's great. Because I was talking to one of my one of my good friends, and you know, I was telling him uh, about naturopathy, and you know, he said, "Well, how do you do this or that?" I forgot the question, but I said, "Well, you know, I I take these vitamins," and he goes, "Oh, that's a placebo." So, <laughs> what would you what would you say what would you say to somebody like that that just says like, "Ah, oh, no, that that doesn't do it. Vitamins don't do anything." Well, so first I usually laugh um, to myself because I think it's funny. Um, and I used to get angry, but then I realized I have to like channel that anger to something positive because it was mm -hmm. getting me, I was so passionate about what I do yeah. that I was like, I can't get angry about this anymore. <laughs> I, um, but like I laughed like you just did. And then I explained to them that the amount of patients that are healing in front of my eyes every single day is proof enough for me. And there is tons of, like I just said, scientific-based research studies by PubMed and other really renowned um, researchers that have showed that these are not placebo. So it really, you know, and then another thing my mentor always taught us is that, you know, when people have, are in, living in a different paradigm, we call it, you know, the flat earth or the round earth people, yeah. you can't <laughs> really convince them he said, it's like, you know, you're batting, you know, banging your head against the wall, trying to explain to someone something where that's not their paradigm. And there mm -hmm. are some people who, you know, they're slightly open-minded and you know where you can maybe, you know, get them to turn. But there's some people who are so adamant that those are the people that you just say, okay, you know, they can have their own opinion. And, you know, you would try to explain to them scientifically what's going on. And then, and then you just hope for the best and hope that they one day, you know, see how this, how, how much this can actually benefit them. Yeah. So it's a lot about educating, educating education. People. Exactly. Okay. Doctor is teacher is the main, right. Which mm -hmm. is one of the principles. Exactly. So would I come to you? What, what, what kind of things do you treat? Like do, if I have a cold, do I come to you? If I have the flu, uh, yeah. if, let's say, what if I have diabetes or, you know, the ultimate worst thing for me. What if, what if I have cancer? Do I come to you or do I go to a medical doctor? So that's a great question. So I treat mostly everything. Um, 
and I'll explain that in a second. However, because I'm in an unlicensed state, what that means is that New York has not licensed naturopathic doctors, meaning that we have a lower scope of practice, meaning we can't have our prescription pad, we can't do X, Y, and Z, we can't do a physical exam. However, I am licensed in the state of Connecticut. Connecticut licenses naturopathic doctors. I can use my stethoscope. I can uh, listen to heart and lungs. So depending on where the naturopath is, they could be your one-stop shop, or you can have the naturopathic doctor with your primary care, right? So my mm. patient, so let's just say you were to come in with, uh, like you said, diabetes, right? So I'm treating, I'm consulting, okay, this is the diet changes. These are the herbs you have to take. These are the vitamins. And then what I do is I send my patients out for lab work and I get all the labs and I do extremely thorough labs on all my patients because I've been told through so many years that I didn't have anything wrong with me and no one ever checked enough thoroughly into my blood to see what was really going on. And so it's been my life mission because I personally was undiagnosed with Lyme disease for 15 years and no one knew or checked for it. I checked so many thorough labs that then when they come back to me, we can have a real action plan as to what to do. And then if we need other doctors, I will get them on board. So let's say uh, someone comes in and there's some complication. I'm like, okay, I think you need to just see this other doctor. I make sure that we, we bring in who's necessary, but sometimes I'm there everything except for the fact that they just need to go get like, just to say a physical once a year by their doctor, because I can't do that in New York state. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I I just have one question on, so like the diabetes, you, if someone has diabetes, you put them on a plan, you said, or, you know, you look into their blood, but is it, is it like, if I go to a medical doctor and I have diabetes, they give me, you know, drugs yes. from the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. So what, are, what are you giving these people? Are you just giving them like a nutrition plan or is there something? Yes, that so each, so I have a type one diabetic patient right now and I have a type two diabetic patient. And now regardless, there are some similar principles of what you do with diabetes. They're both going to get treated differently because they're both coming in with a unique presentation, right? However, some things are going to stay the same. Now, yes, if you go to a medical doctor, they're going to probably give you metformin, which is the most common um, medication for lowering blood sugar. Now, if a patient, that's usually for type 2, if a patient's diabetes have, has gone very far and they're almost presenting like a type 1, then the medical doctor might also add insulin on. That's where we want to get to the point where we don't have to get there. So hopefully the patient just comes to me on one of those drugs. So with their drugs on board, I will then add in things that they need. So for example, <clears throat> here's something really, uh, just for example. So patients who have diabetes have increased risk of harm to their kidneys, harm to their eyes, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we're making sure that we're giving them high amounts of antioxidants because high sugar in the blood, like diabetes, is very oxidative, right? Which mm -hmm. causes that, that free radical damage. It also causes, you know, um, obviously increased risks of cancers down the line, right? So we want to make sure we're giving them great antioxidants. So that's something you do. You're protecting their eyes. You're giving them omega-3 fatty acids to make sure we're reducing inflammation because it's a very inflammatory disease. Um, you're making sure they're getting 
certain vitamins and minerals that are very important in diabetes. So I make them up this comprehensive plan and then I tell them exactly what to take and then I tell them the type of diet that they need to eat that's going to help heal them, at least to either potentially bring down. Um, so the hemoglobin A1C is what every diabetic basically goes by. So we know their progress by looking to see what that number goes down to. So they get checked every you know, three months and then we know how they're doing. So we can get tangible results on a piece of paper, which I normally see go down with diet and uh, supplement regimens. Wow. Wow, yeah. you, you've uh, you've come a long way since since I know you. You know we've known each other since college because you know <laughs> just hearing you talk, it's like wow, she knows all this stuff. I know nothing about this stuff. She's way smarter than I am. <laughs> it's just I decided to go back to school for another hundred years. That's yeah. the only difference. <laughs> so why would Thank I? You. So I, you know, let's 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 say I'm you know I'm sick or let's just say <laughs> sick. Why would I? Just generally, why would I choose an ND over a medical doctor? Because you're treating the cause. So a lot of the patients that come to me, and I want to go back to your other question a second when you said, if I had a cold, do I come to you? Yes, I treat anything mm -hmm. from the common cold and up and through. Um, I can help support cancer patients as well. So it's literally everything in between. So the patients that come to me, to answer your question, the best way to answer this is the patients that come to me, there's a few different reasons. I'm their last resort because they've been through 100 doctors and no one's figured out what's wrong with them. Um, second, it's that they just had a very bad experience, let's say that their family members had bad experiences with them and they just grew up holistic minded and they don't want to even go near anything drug related. Um, and then I have others, I have a lot of millennials too, who this is kind of really uh, up and coming, you know, wellness <laughs> is like really cool now. Um, uh, yeah. Right? It's like this really up like. Up and coming. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like this trend. And, um, uh -huh. you know, so I have a combination of those. And, you know, or people who are just kind of, they, they don't, they know there's a better way. And they've been on, let's just say people have been on drugs. So the people who are coming to me are like, I'm sick and tired of, of feeling sick and tired. And I'm also sick and tired of going to 100 doctors, getting a prescription. So here's a great example. I had a patient. She came to me. This is a wonderful story. I'm so happy I could share this. She came to me a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. She told me that she had such severe pain in her wrist and um, all over joint pain, her knees, her elbows, just constant joint pain, musculoskeletal pain. She went to about five to six different doctors from my memory, and they told her she had carpal tunnel, and then they, she's 30, maybe two. They mm -hmm. did about, two, like a, I think, a surgery or two on her wrist, told her that she would be cured with that in physical therapy. She came out, and there was no difference. She ended up in my office, and... I said to her, you sound like you have Lyme disease. And she just looked at me like, what do you mean? And I said, have you ever gotten tested? And she said, no. And the testing for Lyme disease is very, very uh, difficult to find the right test to some because there's a lot of false negatives. But we decided to do one of the specialty labs that I have in my office to offer. And she came out with a blatant positive to Lyme disease. So now for five years, she's had joint pain, and all these type of issues that they did surgery on her wrist and told her physical therapy is going to be her magic bullet. 
and she had Lyme disease. She, it gets better. Her husband doesn't feel well. He's now comes in and he's dizzy. His main symptom is dizziness. He'd been to five to 10 doctors, 30 years old. Um, I did labs on him. His labs come back. He has Lyme disease. So now the both of them, (laughs) husband and wife have Lyme disease. They decided to end up, I give them the options. I say, okay, you can do X, Y, and Z. They decided to go to the same treatment center that I had. They got treated for Lyme and she literally uh, three weeks ago just had a baby and she is so happy because, you know, you can transfer Lyme in utero. Mm -hmm. And so just from finding out what was wrong with her, she would have never been able to have a child with that amount of pain, not knowing what was wrong with her. And had we had not found out what was wrong with her, she would have transferred it to her child if she didn't get treatment before she had this child. So this is the type of example of what I kind of see day in and day out. And it's just such an inspirational story because she wrote me this beautiful email about how now she has this beautiful child. And if we wouldn't have figured this out, she wouldn't be where she is today. Wow. Yeah, that is a great story. And, right? you know, we, we talked about millennials and this whole wellness thing. It's like up and coming. Now it's cool. But, you know, Lyme disease, that's like... A- up and coming and you know more people are talking about it because now it's coming out that you know Mm -hmm. it's a serious thing but it's still not you know it's still not covered by insurance people don't know how to diagnose it so what are you know what are some I guess symptoms or things that tell kind of tell you hey you know maybe I should get checked for Lyme disease because I don't know what's going on yeah, that's a good question. So, and so when people come in my office, like because I have had that for so long and I just myself found out that I had it and it was finally diagnosed for myself in 2017, I literally can smell it when it walks in my office because it's it's like I can I can look at them and see myself. Um and now not to confuse, not everyone has the same symptoms. Now, Certain people have, to answer your question, certain people have more musculoskeletal issues. So a very common symptom of Lyme, and now you can have none of this and still have Lyme. This is why it's very confusing and tricky. But some common symptoms are joint pain, severe musculoskeletal weakness, muscle pain, anything having to do with the muscles and joints and bones. You just feel very arthritic. they usually have this sensation. My cousin who had Lyme disease, she just couldn't walk up the stairs without feeling like her bones were just going to break. It, it can attack just the muscles and, and all of the musculoskeletal system. That's one very similar, uh, very common symptom. Then there's the other types where you can have a combination of all of these, but then you have like the neurological Lyme cases, which is what I had, where severe migraines, nerve pain, neuropathy, um, uh, severe mental health disturbances. So that's another huge, huge uh, sign of Lyme. A lot of times, so Ali Hilfiger, Tommy Hilfiger's daughter, was actually mm-hmm. wrote a book and she was in a uh, mental institution that Tommy put her in because he thought she was doing drugs and her mental health was so bad. And there was a doctor in there that said, she's not crazy, she has Lyme. And he ended up taking her out of the institution and realizing, oh, my God, this infection 
has caused her problems with her mental health. And I'll never forget, I met a 17-year-old boy in my treatment center who could not speak. He couldn't really verbalize words. Um, he was hallucinating. And he found that he had one of the NYU, I think they told me, found that he had the highest um, Bartonella, which is a co-infection of a tick. He had one of the mm -hmm. highest Bartonella infections they've ever seen. And that was causing his psychosis. So there's a lot wow. of mental health disorders. So that's something when someone comes in with severe mental health issues, that's something to definitely look at. It can also present in thyroid issues, stomach problems. A lot of people have severe, severe stomach issues and then weird symptoms. Like they have this weird ringing in their ears or these weird sensations in their body. Um, I had someone the other day saying she felt like someone was gripping her insides with like their, with their hands, like crazy oh. symptoms that you just don't hear um, every day. So this is something that you have to be a LLMD, which is a Lyme literate medical doctor, or mm -hmm. a naturopath who is versed in this to be able to pick up on the signs. Does that make sense? Because it could be it could be a hundred other diseases too that are yeah. masking. You know, you can have. I had another patient who she came in. She went to ten different doctors. They told her she had um, rheumatoid arthritis. I checked her for Lyme, and she had Lyme. When she got the Lyme treatment done, the rheumatoid arthritis antibodies were gone. So it can come wow. up as other diseases and be Lyme. So it's okay. very complex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it sounds complex. So my next question is, how, how, do, how does one prevent getting Lyme? That's a great question. Making sure that you're wearing a natural, they have all, if you Google these um, natural tick repellents, they're made with essential oils. Mm -hmm. um, you can buy one or you can make it yourself, um, going, making sure you're not anywhere near high grass. And if you are near high grass, making sure you're covered, um, with a good natural tick repellent. I don't recommend the toxic repellents because then I just feel like you're creating another problem. Yeah. Um, yes. but you know, fire Island, you know, if you live in New York, that's like a, you know, haven for ticks, but it, they're, they're literally everywhere. And something to remember, especially if you're from New York City, is that a mat, a, like an actual rat can carry 50 ticks on their body. So you can oh. literally, you're not safe by going on the subway. So oh, 50 ticks? 50 ticks on one rat. Um, I, I had a patient who she, she got bit by a rat um, one day. I don't know how this happened, but it bit her. And then when we checked her a year later, she had Lyme disease. So I think it transmitted. So that's you're disgusting. not safe. Just, just because you're not in the woods, that's the biggest um, misconception. Just because you're not in the woods doesn't mean you're not going to get bit. So you always want to make sure you check. If you're in any type of nature or, you know, walking on the grass, you always check the back of your legs, your hairy areas, behind your ears, the back of your neck. Um, you always check your kids and then, you know, obviously if the person, you know, were to feel any type of like flu-like symptoms after being in nature, you want to bring them to a doctor immediately because that's usually the first sign or, mm -hmm. or, and, or a rash. Now, how, how, how small are these ticks? Because, you know, you, if you're saying check, you know, our legs or our shoes or the back of our ears, can we feel them or like, is you it possible can to see them? 
Yes. Yeah, so <clears throat> there are ones that are literally like a, a pin drop. So that's why there's so many people getting bit and they don't know it. So you can do your best to try to make sure you look for them and you have someone else's eyes, you know, you have um, someone else look around for you, but mm. they're very, very small. And sometimes they don't create the bullseye rash. So if they don't, I never had a bullseye rash. So if they don't create the bullseye rash, you don't know you were bit. So the flu-like mm. symptoms are something to look for. Um, and that again, doesn't happen in everyone either, making it even more complicated. But sometimes you just don't see the ticks and that's the problem. Um, that's why everyone's being so plagued by this recently because of the sizes. Wow, this is like a like a modern day plague. Modern day, yeah, it really is. It's really, it really. <laughs> I mean, is. It's not not. It's not funny. It's just like it's crazy. It's like no, unseen. It's, it's you can't crazy, detect them. Right? You can't find them. You can't see them. Can't see you know? them. The, the symptoms are not. You know, if if everyone got the rash, we would know and we could treat it immediately. But now mm -hmm. not everyone's getting the rash. That everyone's getting the flu-like symptoms, it, and then the, the tests are not coming up. So it's just very tricky, and it's it's really scary to be honest, um, because you know the lifelong, the longer it stays in your body undiagnosed, mm -hmm. the worse it is, obviously. So you said a lot of people <clears throat> that you know have mental health illnesses or issues might have Lyme, mm -hmm. but how how um, how serious? Do the mental health issues have to be for you to say, all right, this might be lying? Honestly, it really depends. If a person comes in with just anxiety or depression and they don't have any other physical symptoms, that's not the first thinking I'm thinking about. It just, okay. it, it honestly really depends because I also am using uh, my intuition too, right? Mm -hmm. So, but if someone comes in, I had a girl the other day, extreme panic attack, but she also has about a list of 10 other physical symptoms. I checked her and she has the co-infection of Lyme that came up on her test. So the ticks can have infections. So if the tick bites you and they were bit by something, you get that too. So she had a co-infection of, uh -huh. of a tick. So when, so we're like, okay. And now she's like, holy crap. I never even thought this was ever me. And she's uh, 28 years old or I think 28 or 30 years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it really depends. Her it was screaming at me because it was like there was so many physical problems on top of the mental emotional ones. If it's just mental emotional, I'm going to go back to the basics. I'm going to go back to how are you living? What are you eating? What supplements are you taking to support your mental health? If I then not getting anywhere, then I can say, okay, I might be missing something. Oh, wow. So, okay. So if I, if someone goes to you and they're just just they go to you because they say, oh, you know, I'm depressed. I have anxiety. How can I, I don't know, live better, eat better, be healthier so I can kind of have better mental health. You can, you can help them with that? Oh, yes. I help so many people with that. Um, I had a girl just yesterday. She wants to come off of her antidepressants. And I said, we can't do that until we start to she came to me about a few months ago and she said she wanted to come off her antidepressants. I said, we have to start on some basic stuff first because if we pull her off of her antidepressants, but we don't have the foundations there, which is like we just said, the diet, the lifestyle and some supportive supplements, she's going to have a really hard time and miserable time getting off of those um, antidepressants, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in her situation, we just did uh, a stool panel on her to check what's going on in her gut because she has digestive issues. 
And she has two different bacterial organisms and her entire gut has different infections. So now we know, okay, let's treat these infections, let's build up her system, and then we can eventually start, you know, safely with the, with the help of her, her prescribing doctor, get her off of these medications. So there's people who come to me on medications, there's people who come to me who don't want to be on medications. And then they say, what can you do to help? And then I give them, you know, all the magical <laughs> remedies that they mm -hmm. need, depending on their case. Um, but yes, mm -hmm. that's a huge part of my practice is mental health cases, you know, in, in terms of anxiety and depression being the worst. So an infection in the <clears throat> gut mm -hmm. can be correlated to depression and anxiety? Absolutely. So any How? type of, because, so we all hear now, it's now very popular about the the mind body, uh, the gut, I'm sorry, the gut and brain connection, right? Mm -hmm. Same yeah. thing as mind and body, right? Up so, and coming. Yeah, it's up and coming. <laughs> um, meanwhile, we learned this like 100 years ago. But um, so in your digestive tract, uh, what many people may have read, and, and this is what this is the new research is that there is more receptors for the dopamine and serotonin, which are the pleasure chemicals and the feel good chemicals, and having enough serotonin is basically going to have an antidepressant effect. So if we have digestive problems or we have inflammation in the digestive tract, it's going to affect the serotonin and dopamine production, as well as the inflammation in the gut is going to inflame the central nervous system, <clears throat> which will have a direct result in their mood. So it doesn't just necessarily have to be anxiety and depression. People come to me and they're just angry. They're socially <laughs> you know, some people are just pissed, right? Yeah. They're angry, yeah. they have mood swings, they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're just like frustrated, they're just feeling like, you know, they, they just don't feel the best versions of themselves. So if we go to the root of the problem and go to these infections, and you know, we found two in this girl yesterday, and she her mind was blown. And she was like, Oh, my God, like, I had a feeling I should do this test. But now I can see it. And then what's also really cool about one of these tests I have is you do the stool panel and it tells you the bacteria that you have in there, how are they correlated to people with mood disorders? Every single bacteria that she had that was overgrown in a bad way had a check that in mood disorders, that bacteria was overgrown. So it was really eye-opening wow. for her because she was like, wow, like, now it makes sense. And, and that's when the moment of empowerment comes because you're like, oh my God, it makes, it like finally clicks for me. Yeah. Wow. So the gut is connected to the mind and if there's an infection in the gut, you know, it, it can alter your mood or your mental health. Um, now I, I, I've been seeing a lot on, let's just call it social media or the internet reading things, um, you know, about eating disorders and, you know, a lot of it is posting positive things, saying, you know, kind of if you want to eat that candy bar, eat that candy bar. And, you know, I'm thinking about sugar and sugar not being the best for for your mental health, because thinking about myself, you know, if I, I used to eat a lot of sugars. I love gummy bears and cherries. I know. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But eating a lot of sugar, you know, I've been reading more about it. Not only do you get like, you know, unhealthy and, you know, for diabetes, but it also kind of alters something in your in your brain where, you know, you can feel depressed or sad or, or like a come down. So what, you know, is 
is, is sugar bad for us? Should we stop eating sugar? You know, should, should people be telling people with, you know, eating disorders, like eat that candy bar if you want, you know, like, what do you think about, about this? Yeah, this is a really great topic. And me and you have spoken about this before and it gets us mm-hmm. kind of like lit up because yeah. it, it, <laughs> it's very frustrating when it's very frustrating when you're hearing people say, eat whatever you want. Now, I completely understand. Um, I understand in the mental health community, as well as the therapists and psychologists, that food restriction is not healthy either if it's extreme, right? Any extremist anything is not healthy. And I completely can relate from the eating disorder standpoint of having this quote unquote good food versus bad food because food is supposed to be nourishing. And I completely understand where people come from when they say, you know, having this restriction can exacerbate an eating disorder. But the problem is, and I don't see anyone talking about it, and this is what I'm passionate about, is Mm -hmm. what about eating the food or not eating the food because it's not healthy for you? Forget about the fact that you, you know, of what it might be doing in terms of, okay, when you're saying a bad food versus a good food, but why don't we change it to how can we nourish our body to be healthy so that we prevent diseases, so that we have a healthy mood, so that we can feel our best, so we can have great energy, that we're not walking around so lethargic every day. I don't see any of these people, and if there are, that's great, but I haven't seen any people talking about kind of what's changing this good food as it's healthy food. And of Mm -hmm. course, someone can have, I say the 90-10 rule, you eat 90% good, clean, nutrient-dense food, and then 10%, you enjoy your life. So if you love that piece of pizza or that ice cream cone, that is also healthy to be able to have that 10% of the time. But it's 10% of the time. It's not an everyday occasion. Um, Mm. So I do feel that there's this huge issue around us saying that we can eat sugar. Sugar is feeding the gut bacteria in a poor way, it's creating more of that bad flora in our digestive tract. <clears throat> and doing so, it's going to compromise the digestive system. It's going to have this overgrowth of bad bacteria, which is going to affect the whole gastrointestinal symptom, which is what we just talked about. It's going to affect mm-hmm. their mood. So telling people to just eat as much sugar as they want, is, I say, I would say is negligent. Because then we have to see, and you gave me this great statistic the other day for diabetes, uh-huh. that then, okay, we're, we're eating sugar to then make them feel that they can eat anything because they have an eating disorder, but now they have diabetes. Yeah. So then what? So there, there's, there's, this, there's this very delicate balance, I feel, between kind of trying to tell people that they should be eating good food for health and having a treat is okay. And also knowing that there are diseases that can prevent that can present with such a poor diet. Yes, it's it's about it's it's not about you know you can't eat sugar. It's more about it's more about like how you said you know reframe that oh I can't eat sugar thing to well what else can I eat that's going to make me feel you know as good as I think I feel when I eat the sugar. Just like therapists say, you know, reframe your thoughts. Well, why can't we reframe that? Like, okay, you know, it's not like you're forbidden to have this this Snickers bar, but it's no, let me find something that's healthy 
that's going to make me feel good as eating that Snickers bar. And it's also healthy for me. Right. Because I remember one time you told me, you know, I, I would always talk about, you know, my father, my father's side of the family. You know, they live to their 90s and, you know, they don't get sick and they ate whatever they wanted. And I said, you know, you, you, you told me, hey, you know, it's not about eating healthy and naturopathy. It's not about living long. It's about living a healthy life. And that always stuck with me because, you know, you can live a long life but be sick all the time. Right. But you can live a right. healthy life and, you know, maybe die younger. But you lived a healthy life. You weren't sick. You know, you weren't <laughs> home trying to get over sickness. So you kind of had a better life. But, uh, it, everything you just said, 100%, because how many people think about, I know someone right now, she's 70 years old, she's on 15 medications. Yeah, so wouldn't you rather be 70 years old on no medications? I mean, she can't even, yeah. she can barely go and do any activity. She could barely leave her house because she gets winded because some of these medications take away so much energy from her. And she's so nutrient, you know, depleted that she's getting sick, you know, very, very often. And so you say to yourself, okay, we're not necessarily looking for this longevity of like this, you know, live to 120, but like, let's, let's live at least without having to take so many meds and maybe actually just feeling well and not feeling sick and aging gracefully. Right. And that's the difference. Yeah, that I always, I always think about. I'm happy that you remembered and you listened to something I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, like that's that stuck with me for so long because it makes sense, you know. Like, it's the difference between living sick for a hundred years or living healthy for, let's say, even 70, 70 yeah, years. Exactly. But those seventy years were amazing. Quality. And yeah, you're not spending time at the doctor or sick or miserable. You know, you actually enjoyed your life. So right. I never, I never, I never forget that. Because um, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm getting into. Well, no, I'm not getting into. I'm more into the like holistic living, eating yeah. better. You've done and, a complete you know, transformation. Yeah. You were, yeah. you were eating gummy bears and pizza, <laughs> and now you're making veggie burgers and broccoli. <laughs> and drinking oat milk <laughs> this is a huge transformation milk. so this is like something I was actually I thought it would never happen in my lifetime before I died but it did and do you see that this is, this is what can happen people can make these transformations and can yeah. you attest to and this is a great question for you can you attest to feeling better or like what what changes have you noticed from changing your lifestyle okay so yes I do feel better I feel great and like my mind feels clear and everything feels like like my body feels great. Like, you know, I'm I'm 35 now and I feel like, you know, I'm I'm 20 or 21. Um, there were times in my 20s that I felt like, oh, I was older. But one thing that really stuck out was, you know, I, I told myself, I said, you know what, I'm going to test this theory that when <laughs> you eat these superfoods, you know, they're good for your mental health and you feel better. So there was there was maybe like, you know, one week that I ate. Nothing but healthy stuff. Vegetables, I drank a lot of water, you know, low carbs, no meat, uh, because I stopped eating meat. Um, mm. And I felt amazing, like really amazing. I, I really can't explain it. It's just like clarity. I felt healthy, you know, waking up early. I'm not lethargic. I'm not tired. And then one week, you know, I ate gummies. Um, I ate potato chips, pizza. And that week, I felt tired, you know, I feel down, depressed, you know, anxious. And then I wasn't, I still wasn't convinced. So uh, <laughs> let me try it again. 
And the same <laughs> thing happened. When I eat, when I eat better, I feel better. And right? so now I'm a hundred percent sure that, you know, the better you eat, the better you're going to feel physically and mentally. Right. So can you tell those skeptics that why don't you, you can, yeah. we can, I can even say to a skeptic, like, just try it for yourself. I mean, you can try it and see and see how you feel. That's the best way you can say to anybody that's a skeptic, because that's the foundation of you know, nutrition and your food. That's why Hippocrates said, let thy food be thy medicine, that you can literally change your cells and you can, you're, you can literally revamp your entire health by just changing your diet. And for you, being a vegan and, or not eating meat has been something very helpful for you. I have people who do eat you know, organic sources of meat with tons of plant-based other you know, foods, and they feel great. So it's finding the best diet, and some is thriving as a vegan, some is thriving yeah. as paleo, and some is thriving you know, as a vegetarian. But as long as you're getting that nutrient-dense amount of vegetables and fruit in the diet and fiber, because the fiber in the, in the vegetables are going to latch on to all the toxins, all the extra hormones, the cholesterol, and bring it out of the bowel, out of the body. So we want to be eating these, these fruits and vegetables as much as possible. And then we're also getting all these antioxidants that are great to prevent you from getting cancer because it's, it's literally like it's natural medicine as soon as you put a food into your body and it's just what you're fueling it with. And that's something I'm very passionate about. Nutrition is something that, you know, if someone's not eating well, I can't, I'm not going to give them a hundred supplements. We got to get them eating well. We got to start with the basics is what basically what's on their fork, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so where did where do you think we kind of took a wrong turn? Because you said you studied, you know, ch Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. um, so where did we take this left turn where, you know, everybody's unhealthy, eating McDonald's, uh, you know, eating shit food and taking, you know, pharmaceutical after pharmaceutical to put a band-aid on the band-aid that they just put a band-aid on well the when problem it, when is it's, when yeah. it's a little bit when it can be a little bit simpler as just you know starting to eat better and you know seeing someone like you to help you with that well the problem is is that the the companies are subsidizing and 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 supporting a lot of these companies that are having food that's not good for our health so they become cheaper so it's cheaper to get a Big Mac than it is sometimes to get, you know, some other healthy item from, you know, let's just say you were to go and get, you know, a healthy lunch. It might be cheaper to get some food that is obviously a poor choice. So mm -hmm. that's the problem. And then a lot of these in terms of pharmaceutical agencies, I just read last night, um, there's this uh, medical doctor I read on Instagram She's, she went back, you know, to learn more holistic things and she's a medical doctor. And she was saying that like Bayer medicine was sponsoring stuff in school for her. Like you have medicine companies and pharmaceutical companies sponsoring mm -hmm. and funding programs. So it's kind of like brainwashing, um, yeah. you know, so I think that's where we went wrong. And also, you know, we become a, a nation that it's a pill for every ill and we have the, you know, highest amount of health care and insurance, but we're the sickest nation, you know, where we have the mm -hmm. sickest people here. So why is it that we can, you know, have all of this health care and pharmaceuticals and we're still sick? <clears throat> so we have to say something went wrong, but people are starting to really understand that, okay, if I take, because it's not fixing the problem. So if the problem, let's just say someone has a thyroid disease and that's causing, let's say they have hypothyroidism, which is mm -hmm. low functioning thyroid. 
and mm -hmm. they are taking, let's just say a thyroid medication, but say the issue is that they have a food allergy, or let's just say the issue is that their adrenals, we do a test on their adrenals and those are low, or let's just say they have a zinc deficiency or they have an omega-3 deficiency or magnesium deficiency or iron, I can keep going. And those mm -hmm. are the reasons the thyroid. So we can keep them on a thyroid med, but if we don't fix the cause, that's something they'll have to deal with lifelong, right? So it's the same thing with another medication that you give for cholesterol. Okay, we can lower cholesterol, okay, with a pill, but then that doesn't come without side effects. So one of the main, you know, this is one of the most prescribed drugs or cholesterol meds, right? But mm -hmm. the problem is cholesterol is a precursor to our hormones. So we're getting hormonal concerns um, from people taking too many cholesterol meds. And then it's creating problems with dementia and Alzheimer's because if you're stopping, you need fat for your brain, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're stopping taking, you know, take, getting in fat because you're taking these cholesterol meds, you're getting potential risk for dementia, Alzheimer's. Your people I have told me that they have severe muscle weakness from taking those. There's so many side effects and then people end up getting a prescription for the side effects and yeah. then it just keeps compounding and then you're up to 120 prescriptions and yeah. then we still didn't address the cause and what's what's wild to me <laughs> is that the you know the companies that you you see meds on tv you get a commercial and uh, about you know a pharmaceutical or drug and it'll be a lovely commercial with great music people dancing in fields <laughs> and then at the end in the last three seconds you have that guy that talks really fast and it's just like blah, 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 up to an even death and you hear you hear the side effects up to an even death and people you know they're still like oh doesn't matter i'm still taking it because my doctor said but then what else do they do then when you ask them to take a vitamin they say is this oh. safe <laughs> I, why why is so that they always what? i get that question so i have people sometimes they come to me they're on a few different drugs and then they, they they're very nervous that the vitamin b12 i give them is gonna like harm them um you know it, it's crazy i think because we've we've grown up with medicine is safe it's medicine your doctor yeah. gives you medicine i remember i used to yell at my grandmother when i was younger because she didn't want to take her medicine i was like grandma the doctor uh -huh. told you to take your medicine <laughs> You know, and yeah. and she'd be like, I don't want to take that crap. You know, so you know, it, uh -huh. she you, was right. You, she was right. See, because <laughs> she was older and she was wise, clearly. And to the yeah. day that she passed, she still didn't want to take anything. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it's really it's it's showing us that we kind of were grew up with this mentality that the doctor gives you this medicine, it's going to help you. And yes, there is a place for medicine and crisis care calls for crisis drugs. If you get hit by a car, you're going to go to the hospital and get morphine. And you know, you're not going to take a homeopathic remedy at that moment. You know, it, it has its place. So I, I did learn all the pharmaceuticals. So I know when there's a place for it and when there might be crisis care. So if a person's coming in severely suicidal, they may need some type of pharmaceutical for a short duration while we're working on getting them out of that as their crisis care drug. So I, mm -hmm. I'm not against medication if it's used properly and it's not the first resort. Yeah. It's funny because my dad and my grandmother used to say the same thing. Like, I'm not taking that stuff. You know, that, that doesn't <laughs> right. do anything. That's no good. But, you know, we were, like, they had it right. 
they had it right, but they just didn't have the other alternative. That's you now, you know? Right. It was just like, like my grandmother, I remember, would, would make healthy foods and soups. And that was, that was, you know, healthy for her. But, you know, she, she still ended up getting cancer and dying from it because <clears throat> she didn't have the alternative to right. not taking that drug. Right. But, um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is great. And we can go on for another couple of hours. We definitely have a part two. But I want to I want to ask you um, one more question before yeah. before we get off. But I, th- we, I think you touch upon a little bit about, you know, that uh, you guys don't take insurance, not because you don't want to, but I'm guessing because the insurance company don't cover anything. Now, does insurance does insurance cover a naturopathic doctor anywhere in the United States? Um, why don't they cover it? And do you think things will change where some insurance companies will start covering it? So in certain licenses, so there's about 23, and I have to check if that's the right number because it goes up um, every year. Um, but I think it's 23 states are licensed, meaning that naturopathic doctors there are licensed. They can do X, Y, and Z things, right? So mm-hmm. in those states, then there's another regulation with insurance companies that say you can take insurance, let's just say in the state. I know in the state of Vermont and in the state of Connecticut that it, there are insurances that accept um, that you can use for naturopathic doctors, but the naturopathic doctor has to choose that they want to take insurance. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. can be in a state. So let's just say I was in Vermont and I was in a state that I could maybe take insurance. I would then make the choice. Do I feel that I will be able to have enough time to treat this patient and actually be able to maintain a living and put a roof over my head and and pay my rent of my office fees to know that, okay, do I have that choice and what will be the best for my patients and myself? So there are some states that do allow it, but then the doctor may choose not to because it's not in the best interest of them and the patient. And then there's some that do collect. So I do know I have friends in Connecticut right now. They're insurance-based. I have friends in Vermont. They're insurance-based. And I also have a friend in New Hampshire who is insurance-based. Mm-hmm. So there are ones that are insurance-based. There's also, um, I believe, in Canada. My other friend is practicing in Canada. They're insurance-based. But again, not every doctor is going to take it. Does that yeah. part make sense? Yeah, um, yeah. And then what was your other question? And then, oh, and then in terms of New York... New York State, because they didn't license us here, that's why we can't take insurance. So what that means is I could still be a doctor and that I could still tell you what to do, but I have certain restrictions, meaning I just can't do certain things with you. Um, mm-hmm. We get around this in, in, you know, in a way that is legal um, to make sure the, ben- the, the patient is benefiting. Um, obviously, I, my, mine is a cash pay practice because I wouldn't even be able to take New York, um, insurance in New York even if I wanted to. However, people can use their health savings account and flex uh, savings accounts. So what they do is mm-hmm. usually take out a certain amount per year, and that's what they use. They get that untaxed, and then they can use it toward my supplements and my office visits. Mm, okay, that's and then great. Will that change? We're hoping the more yeah. states get licensed. Um, so at every New York is lobbying so hard for New York uh, for naturopathic medicine. 
We, I have, I'm a part of the New York AMP, which is the New York Association for Naturopathic Physicians. We, I pay them a certain amount per month to help lobby, and we all do all the naturopaths in New York. We've been lobbying so hard for New York to get licensed. Once New York gets licensed, I think it's going to be the whole country is going to follow suit. So mm -hmm. once we get more licensure per, per state, then eventually everyone will probably be licensed and there will be the um, ability to take insurance. So we're hoping for a New York victory as, you know, we're lobbying very, very hard. So when, when are we going <clears> to, <throat> when are we going to hear something about New York? Well, I just went to the conference last uh, month and they got a new lobbying department that they said would be, um, they think is really, really beneficial. And then they go to Albany every year. And there's about seven naturopaths who've been doing this for 15 mm -hmm. years that wow. I know of that they go and they, you know, the bill always gets denied. The, the bill was just denied the last time because they wanted us to, they would license us if we worked in the office of a medical doctor, but we right. didn't want to do that. Yeah, there's so no we denied that. it. We could have gotten licensed last year. Um, from what my understanding is, we could have gotten licensed, but we didn't want to take that because we thought that was pretty ridiculous yeah. that we'd have to work in a medical doctor's office in order to be licensed. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like they need more education people on Capitol Hill to understand. Correct. That's what because... they're trying to do. Right. That's why the New York AMP is trying to do that. And they're working very, very hard to get it licensed. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. So, in closing, what what's your what's your biggest tip for anyone out there that's listening that you know wants to live a healthier life, uh, wants to live a more a better physical life, physical health, uh, mental health? What can they do every day to improve their their health, overall health? Overall, change mm -hmm. the change the way that you look at food, change the way that you see food. See it as something that nourishes you in a way that you're getting in vitamins and minerals and looking down at your plate every time you eat and you ask yourself, is this going to nourish me or is this going to deplete me? And so if you're not seeing vibrant colors and vegetables and fruits and really good sources of vitamins and minerals looking down at your plate, <clears throat> then you know you need to start to change that. And even if it's one meal a day that you start to make a difference, every little thing counts. And that's one thing that people will say like, oh, if I messed up this meal, I might as well eat pizza again the next meal. That doesn't work like that. So you can, you know, you start over at every meal. It doesn't matter because cumulative it will make a difference. So you can, you know, take every supplement in the world, but a supplement is a supplement. It's a supplement to your diet. So your diet is going to be the foundation to your health changing. So mm -hmm. start following, you know, on Instagram, start following all these healthy pages with, with healthy foods that they show and different benefits. Because if you kind of understand, oh, this feeds my brain, you might be more enticed to do it because, you know, education is giving you more mm -hmm. um, empowerment because you kind of understand. Yeah. And you're doing that on your Instagram page, no? Yes, I do that all the time on my Instagram page. So where where can uh, people find you? So on Instagram, uh, my name is Dr. Dr. Dot, and then Susan, S-U-S-A-N, C as in cat. That's my uh, Instagram name. And then I have a Facebook page. It is uh, Dr. Susan Kuchara. 
Um, and then my website is www.naturallysue.com. All right, great. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for you know doing this with me today and taking the time out since you're like, so busy. Um, but I, you know, I learned a lot in this episode as well, and I know this is going to be one of the greatest episodes of this podcast because there's a lot of information here, and you know, it's good information for physical health and mental health. So uh, yeah, so thanks again, and um, I guess that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I look forward to All doing right. it again. Thank you. Yep. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.